what are the North Stars that you want to set that are ubiquitous across all the areas? And then how much leeway or, or latitude you give each of those teams to work within those boundaries as long as they're fulfilling those, those core values. Welcome to Now Brands Talk. This is a show for leaders who care deeply about brand integrity and customer relationships. You're about to learn from CX leaders who have firsthand experience bridging that tricky divide between brands and the people who love them. Let's listen in. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Now Brands Talk. I'm your host, Ruth Zive, and my guest today is David Resnick, Chief Commercial Officer at A2X, which is a global e-commerce accounting automation software company. Prior to A2X, David spent 10 years at Google, leading divisions across North America and Asia Pacific, and was the global head of the Google Shopify strategic partnership. So he brings a lot of interesting experience to this discussion today, and our main topic is going to be tackling customer experience in a global, remote, and asynchronous world. And God knows that the last two years have amplified these considerations tenfold. So I I know we're going to have a really spirited, interesting discussion. Welcome, Dave. Thank you very much for having me. My pleasure. Before we jump into the meat of this discussion, I like to kick these off with a question. Share with our listeners, what is the best brand interaction you've ever had with a company? And why was it, what made it so special? Well, it's the, the one I would choose actually is the, is the consistency of great brand interactions, which I constantly have. Um, and it's a company called Jiffy. So it's here in Toronto. Um, it's, you know, it's cliched, but it's the Uber for anything that needs fixing within your house. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I love about them is it's just every interaction I've had has been seamless from finding a reputable, trustworthy person that you would actually let into your home to scheduling, to gathering the info um, in, in advance, pre, uh, pre actually having your, 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 uh, your appointment and then that just pre and post follow-up and the service ratings like it's just it's so consistent they've never let me down and um, so i love being an advocate for them i love that example because brand consistency you know we talk a lot about how brands make all of these upfront investments in their website and their logo and their product and their store and often that promise breaks at the point of interaction when the, the experience becomes very inconsistent and that brand promise is just completely diminished So I love that example. I think consistency is something that brands don't think enough about. Totally. So let's let's get into the topic a little bit. Share with us first, uh, for those that uh, aren't familiar with A2X, about the work that you do. Sure. So I mean, A2X is e-commerce accounting software that automatically reconciles your sales and your fees from all your e-commerce channels like Shopify, Amazon, and others with your accounting software. And so that really gives you an accurate picture, uh, from a PNL perspective, of the sales and the profitability by each channel. That's saving you months and hours, or every you know, every month uh, in manual spreadsheet grunt work. So we've got thousands of users um, using A2X and um, an MPS of just over 60. And so that's kind of the North Star of whether we're delivering on that CX promise. Nice, nice. So as you know, from your own experience, global expansion has become more of a reality for brands everywhere. The world is really smaller, actually, as all interactions seem to be moving to more accessible digital channels. So how does this impact the investments that we make in the customer experience? from your perspective. Yeah, I mean, there's like the big shift overall has just been rising expectations, right? Like you know, consumers expect more speed, they expect more value, they just expect to be, you know, at the customer uh, the customer centricity of everything that we do, more on demand, more access across channels, so physical, digital, mobile, you know, re- regardless of the time or geography. And I think, you know, part of it is that Amazon 
has set the bar on customer experience and became front and center during the pandemic. And now the rest of the world has to play catch up. Mm-hmm. So most companies, I think, used to get away with this like, subpar or non-existent mediums of customer interactions. But the pandemic leveled that playing field as so many of us were just confined to the home and needed things at services at all hours. And, and frankly, most of us just didn't really care where these things came from as long as they ultimately got a decent service or product. And, and I think that's you know, really shifted the way that companies need to think about how they make some of these investments. Totally agree. Talk a little bit about the implications when it comes to geographic expansion. You know, when a brand exists across the globe, how does this new table stakes expectation on the part of customers influence how they operate and how they deliver against their brand promise? Yeah, I I mean, I think that a lot of it has to do, like maybe if I take a step back here, when you think about CX, right? It's it to me, it's a very all-encompassing term, right? It's the impression that you're that you get from your customers across all of that journey, right? From the people side to the product side, right? from that totally first point of interaction where they all the way to the point where they choose to not, you know, use your brand. And so, if you're selling online, like, having some degree of that fully, truly like localized web and presence of people in those markets is that first impression. And too often, I think it's easy to spot some of these imposters, you know, ones who, who slap up a website and use Google Translate to, to act like they're in that market. And then on the people side of, of CX, I think it's about thinking about like the common set of values and behaviors that you or your brand want to represent, regardless of those geographical or cultural differences. And then just being relentless in driving and measuring those. Right? And some of those, I guess what you would call ubiquitous CX metrics that really, I think, transcend beyond borders are, you know, response times, response accuracy, and some version of customer satisfaction. So when you fold in considerations like language or currency or time zone, you know, I I think it's important that CX teams have some autonomy so that they can localize those experiences. But also that they're true to the brand standards and that, you know, to your, to your example at the, at the start of this discussion, that they're really consistent in what it is that they communicate those values and how it is that they communicate them. How do you, how do you balance those two things? Yeah, I, I think part of it is starting with some core non-negotiable global values, right? Things that truly can delight customers. And I think it goes back to what I just mentioned before. Can you respond quickly? Can you respond accurately? Can you show some kind of human personalized touch? These are basic human needs that um, transcend all borders, frankly. And then how do you create the right measures to, to, to make sure that you're doing that, right? Like, you know, time to first response or QA or CSAT or NPS, like, you know, all the acronyms that many, many of us in the CX world are very familiar with. And then the second part, I think, is like trying to hire people and especially the managers uh, who have a global perspective and maybe like a bit of a curiosity about diverse human behaviors. Those that can, to some degree, like appreciate the local and the global nuances and ideally can have some experience working and traveling or living in some of those different communities. Mm. And then from there, I think you can give managers a bit of autonomy to create the local culture that might be more conducive to that region, right? Thinking about you know, whether that's celebrating local customs, holidays, even tailoring CX processes to meet local needs, and then also letting local CX agents provide um, product and, and customer feedback to help to customize the, or localize the website or processes in those specific areas, while still thinking about maintaining that consistent global brand and feel to your, your entire experience, right? So I, I think there's there's a balance that can be struck there. 
Absolutely. All great practical examples. What do you think when you consider people, product, process, what are some of the common pitfalls? What what trips brands up as they start to grow their presence across the globe? Yeah. I th- so my answer might go a little bit beyond CX, but but they're all related because they're, you know, we're, we're, it's all about business here, right? And, and, and sure. customers and the way people feel. So I think the first step is like thinking that all customers globally act and buy the same or thinking that uh, your brand equity has, you know, similar levels as maybe where it does in, in your home country. And North American companies, I think, are just notorious for this, right? Like mm-hmm. most of the time there's, there's often a local competitor doing exactly what you're doing and oftentimes with better market fit and with more local brand equity than you. And so I think even like how you approach the, your CS processes, scripts, or chats, uh, chat engagements really need to be double-checked to ensure that they're locally nuanced. The second part I think that is chasing, it's the idea of chasing growth, right? By entering new markets, right? And sometimes you do that because your, your VCs or your investors push, push you to do that when there may even not be perfect product market fit or the customer just acts very differently than you know, your ideal client uh, should act. The third area is probably around spreading yourself too thin. And, and that just comes with the risk of compromising core values or service excellence. Right? And, and I think that's a, inadvertently achieved by hiring fast versus hiring right. You know, and what I, mean, what I mean by right is having the right values alignment, right? thinking about the right recruitment uh, processes that are very rigorous, um, the right background reference checks. All of those things need to be done really well. And an offshoot to that, I think, is just like thinking about hiring cheap versus good. Right, including you know sometimes outsourcing things too soon, and, and I really believe that people have to have feet on the ground, understand things, and measure the right values and behaviors and outcomes before they uh, you know before they just hand the keys to you know a third party. Great point. Are there things that you feel brands should be thinking about from a technology perspective to make sure that different geos don't get siloed? Like I, I what you're saying is so resonant. Uh, there are different considerations, different values, different interpretations of brand across geography, but then you also want to resist that urge of creating a completely different experience um, from one place to the next. And especially as the world, you know, it's something that we think about a lot is, is channels, you know, different social mm-hmm. channels and to the extent that customers want to meet brands where they do business. How, how do you fold in those different considerations, different social channels, different networks without creating a completely siloed experience from one geo to the next? Yeah, it's, that's a, it's a really good question and it's tough. And I think it's a, it's a matter of trade-offs, right? Because you could, you know, inherently allow each of these different regions or you know, subsidiaries of whatever your, however your company is, is structured to kind of operate on its own and really nail that experience at the local level. But each of those comes with an investment and it comes with a, a, a potential for further divergence away from core values and core processes exactly. and, every, exactly. and, and, every, and everything else. And so I think it's like, it kind of comes back to that, like, you know, what are the North Stars that you want to set that are ubiquitous across all the areas? And then how much leeway or, or latitude you give each of those teams to work within those boundaries as long as they're fulfilling those, those core values. And then when it comes to, you know, thinking about social channels and, and, and things like that, I mean, 
it's, it's tough, but I think it's getting a little bit easier with just all the different modes of communications that we have, whether that's Slack communities or Facebook channels or how, however, you know, you, you try to engage your, you know, your customers and your advocates. I know that, you know, it's, it's funny to watch an experiment that we've recently done at, at A2X is we created this Facebook group, which is because we found most of our ideal individuals were on Facebook and created this, this area called the e-commerce back office. And, and that's, you know, it's really interesting that it's highlighted a lot of the diversity of the user needs from all corners of the globe, especially when it comes to things that are really nuanced, like e-commerce taxes. Right? They're very different depending on where, where you reside. And so it's always very, really, really insightful to see how the customers help troubleshoot other customer issues within these discussions. Interesting. We get to learn so much from that. That's a great example. So maybe, you know, you, you had uh, a lot of oversight of, of global consideration for, a, for Google, massive company that, you know, it's clearly figured out how to do business across the globe. Contrast that a little bit practically with where you are now and what smaller companies might be thinking about. Like, what are the best practices that you took away from your prior role that you're trying to implement now? Yeah, it's, you know, it's funny because I think when I, when I think about the best practices at Google, you know, their best practices for things that apply to companies that are massive scale, right? 200,000 person organizations right. with, you know, another 100,000 or so contractors. And so, you know, I, I was excited to bring a lot of that to, you know, a smaller company, A2X is, you know, 50, 60 individuals. But what you realize is that it's, it's kind of square pegging into the round hole and, you kind of have to throw away a lot of those playbooks. But what I think you, you try to bring is a sense of structure, right? If that's as simple as values and OKRs and, and things like that, where people kind of can all be measured uh, on and, and ensure that they're living the right, the, the right pieces. Thinking a little bit more longer term, like, you know, rather than just your 90 day sprint cycle, how do you, how do you see that 90 day sprint fitting into the next one year or one and a half years? Right? And, and is that actually a layering up to your, your overall mission and your values? And some of those things I don't think are often fully baked in, in um, smaller startups or scale ups. And so just being able to see where, you know, ultimately how big companies operate and then taking snippets of that and, and in, inserting small little experiments and, 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 and frameworks and, and templates, I think just help nudge us towards, you know, trying to understand what it would be like to operate at scale without all the burden uh, and bureaucracy of operating at scale. And do you think that post pandemic or, you know, since the, not that we're past the pandemic yet, but since the pandemic emerged in this new digital first world um, where that's really the standard, uh, do you think that it's easier? And if so, how? Like are, are small businesses better equipped to take on these, you know, global considerations today more so than they were five years ago. Yeah, I, I think so. I think like the one thing that the pandemic woke most, at least, um, call it product sellers, right? The service might be a little more difficult, but on the product side, if you're selling a physical good mm-hmm. or even a virtual good, for that matter, all of a sudden now you, you realize that you, the 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 earth is your is your total addressable market, right? As right. long as you can communicate with that then customer and deliver something to them. Um, that takes a very different lens than saying, oh, well, you know, I, I'm a, a local retailer. And as a result of that, I, you know, I, I'm going to sell to the people in my neighborhood, my community, and maybe the outskirts of the city. And so you've got that dynamic. You've also got the, the whole notion of, can I deliver this product to them in a way that I've probably never thought about before? And that's you know, the, the internet and all the tools that, that, you know, exist on the internet, uh, are 
you just have really, really just opened up that whole bit. And as you think about the future and how much the world has changed in the last two years, what what trends or changes are you anticipating in the next two to five years in the world of CX relative to global expansion and digital transformation across geographies? Where, where do you think we're headed that's different than where we're at today? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. Like nowadays, it's so difficult to crystal ball anything. Like, I mean, anyone very who true. themselves a, a futurist in the past could kind of extrapolate trends from what they had seen, you know, over the last ten years. But I really feel like it's a it's a whole new ball game. And as a result of that, I think you kind of have to just go back to like what makes humans who they are, what makes them tick. And it's it's some of those things that were mentioned before around, you know, can you figure out ways to deliver something and delight customers in a way that doesn't make them frustrated. And, and if that's at the core of everything that you do, that will result in a great purchase experience and that will result in great uh, advocacy after that. And so it doesn't sound like it's a brand new trend or anything like that, but sometimes I think we lost track of that in terms of just chasing bottom line or revenue. And Bridge trying to bring it back to like, you know, what makes humans tick, regardless of whether they're in a pandemic or whether we're in you know, a war or whatever, whatever, you know, the world black swans may throw at us over the next, the next few bits, you know, it comes down to that, that human empathy and, and basic human needs and just being able to fulfill that. You know, you know, what's so interesting, David, is I, I don't know if you've realized this, but in every question, we keep coming back to this idea that it's, it's your core values that underpin everything that you do in CX, whether, especially as you consider moving across geographies and growing your brand in that way that if, if it's core values, common values that underpin everything that you do, especially in today's digital first world, then you can achieve those things, you know, I think with a greater sense of consistency. Have you noticed that you keep coming back to that? I haven't noticed that, but but now that you've mentioned it, I think it's... Yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense, you know, right? It, it's old world thinking that's just been refined over, over time. I, I think in some ways what's exciting is that the new world has allowed us to come back to this old world principle, right? Like I think in some ways brands have an opportunity with digital channels, with automation, with new technology to bridge those gaps and deliver a much more consistent experience as they grow. So I think that's, a, you know, I, I agree with you. Nobody can really anticipate what's on the horizon with the, the same credibility today. But I, I do think that the last two years have indicated, at least for me, that there's a whole world of opportunity out there to do this better and at scale. Absolutely. And, and it, you, you know, you mentioned a really good point, which is that technology is going to enable pretty much any, any use case that you could think of or anything that you might want. There likely is some type of SaaS service or, or, or product that will allow you to, to do that much more quickly than you, we ever had in the past. And, and I think we're just getting started in that world. Agreed. Agreed. So this was super interesting. We like to wrap up these conversations with a bit of a, a quick lightning round of questions, just so that listeners can get to know you a little bit more personally. So I'm going to quick fire some questions at you. No pressure. If you don't want to answer one, just say pass. And uh, like a game show. Exactly. Just like a game okay. show. So tell everyone what is your guilty pleasure? Mm. It's a 11 minute Wim Hof breathing exercise. So you can go and YouTube that. It's the one thing that just resets the body, the mind and makes you feel awesome in 10 minutes or so. Interesting. Do you do it first thing in the morning at the end of the day? Whenever you think of it. Yeah, whenever, usually whenever I think of it. I should probably just schedule it in. It'd be so much easier to do it that way. Yeah, put an alert on your calendar. <laughs> okay, what is your favorite hobby? Anything on snow. So skiing, snowboarding, 
tobogganing, preferably with people that you love. Okay. So that's probably going to inform the next question, which is best holiday you've ever taken. Oh, I would say any place in Thailand or, or Vietnam. Those are just you know, magical places where you can kind of do everything uh, and experience so much in, in such a short time. Uh, haven't, haven't been there, but it's definitely at the top of my list. And then the last question, we started off this discussion. You shared your best brand interaction. What is the, without naming any names, what is the worst interaction you've ever had with a brand and, and why was it so bad? So it used to be telcos in Canada, but I actually think they've gotten much better over the last 10 years and th- thank goodness. But it would probably be most interactions I have with a, an airline, and even when you have status or anything like that, it doesn't really matter. They, they will find ways to make you and make every interaction super painful. Oh, it's so true. And especially today, I, you know, I, I have to cancel some flights and I have called every single night for the last five nights and waited on hold. I'm not exaggerating for three hours. Every time I scheduled a call back, nobody called me back. I've gone online to try to chat. I've emailed nothing. I can't cancel the flight, which maybe is (laughs) deliberate on their part, but very infuriating. So I hear you on that one. Does the music haunt you now? The whole music that you've probably heard forever? It's I've become numb to it candidly like I just don't even hear it anymore but yeah I hear you on that front okay so let's highlight some of the practical takeaways from today's discussion there were there were several that uh, I think listeners can take and actually turn into action so the first is really set in stone and align on those universal values that your brand absolutely has to uphold across all markets and then communicate those to your CX teams so that those are sort of consistently represented in all of your brand interactions I, I loved that one. Give your teams enough autonomy, though, to tailor the customer experience to those local regions. So think about language, think about holidays, think about those local considerations that they want, they might want to reflect in that experience. Also a great suggestion. And then back to the values, because you kept going back there, empathy should really be at the heart of all of the decisions that you make, um, especially as you expand. And you should hire with that in mind. You should build those experiences with that in mind and always come back to that um, I love that. So uh, thank you so much for this really interesting discussion and for joining us today on this show. Share with uh, our listeners how people can get in touch with you. Uh, yeah, best way is probably on LinkedIn. You can, you can look me up. Uh, the public profile, I think, is D Resnick because I was one of the first to join. And I actually didn't think LinkedIn was going to make it. And I was so wrong about that. There you go. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, I had a post go viral this week, so that was super exciting. Thank you to everyone for listening to this episode of Now Brands Talk. You can subscribe to hear more conversations with CX leaders wherever you listen to your podcasts. And again, thank you so much, David, for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me, Ruth. With Ada, brands can finally talk to customers with a consistent voice anytime, anywhere. The world's most beloved brands like Zoom, Square, and Facebook all use Ada's brand interaction platform to build real relationships with customers. If you felt the pain of delivering a great customer experience that is authentic, personalized, and scalable, then Ada is for you. Learn more about Ada's brand interaction platform at ada.cx podcast. You've been listening to Now Brands Talk, a podcast by Ada. Stay connected by subscribing to the show, leaving us a rating and comment, and sharing episodes you love. Your support and feedback ensures future episodes will address your interests with fresh discussion and insights about how brands talk. Thank you so much for joining us. Until next time. 